0: Hello and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and it's the summer, which means summertime conventions. That's right, it is convention season. First up is Project Anime, which is an international business to business conference series brought to you by the Society for the Promotion of Japanese Animation. And this convention is happening here in L.A. from June 28th through 29th. Next up is Anime Expo, which is happening at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Happening July 1st through 4th. And then after Anime Expo, Comic-Con San Diego, July 20th through 23rd. If you were able to get a badge, have a good time. If you were not able to get a badge... Do not despair, as I've mentioned previously back when WonderCon was going on. If you're a professional working in the animation industry, you can apply for a professional badge, which means that you can apply to get in for free next year. Now, right now, the professional application period is closed for Comic-Con 2017, but after the convention ends, they're going to be opening that again. So make sure to check out the professional FAQ on the Comic-Con website for information about that so that you can go to Comic-Con next year. And then July 30th through August 3rd, Seagraph 2017 will be going on. It's gonna be the 44th annual Seagraph Conference on Computer Graphics and Interactive Techniques. So for all of you out there who are interested in computer graphics, visual effects, computer animation, this is the conference for you. So make sure to check that out. And also, not only are there going to be some fantastic conventions, but there's also going to be a lot of really cool events happening around town. On July 14th through July 16th, there's going to be a master drawing workshop with Henry Yan. Henry Yan is an awesome professional illustrator, and he's also a professor at my alma mater, Academy of Art University. So make sure to check out his workshop. And then on July 14th, the Perky Nerd here in Burbank is going to be presenting British Invasion Volume 1. Fan Art and Fashion Show. And to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the first Harry Potter book, as well as the premiere of Game of Thrones, they're partnering up with El Hoffer Design for a fan art and fashion show. This promises to be a lot of fun, so if you are a big Harry Potter fan, Game of Thrones fan, or if you're just a big fan of fashion and the perky nerd, check it out. Again, it's gonna be on July 14th. And I'll list the websites for all of these events and conventions on the website over at theanimatedjourney.com and you will also be able to find the links in the show notes. And now the Nickelodeon summer miniseries continues with my very awesome guest, Amy Reynolds. Amy is a post-production supervisor at Nickelodeon Animation for Pinky Malinky and The Loud House. And she has a wealth of experience in the wonderful world of post-production and not only does she have a fantastic story but she is going to break down what post-production is and why you should never say we'll fix it in post so without further ado I present episode 48 interview with Amy Reynolds so my guest today is Amy Reynolds and Amy is the post-production supervisor here at Nickelodeon. She's the post-production supervisor for our show, The Loud House, and mm-hmm. you're working on other shows as well. Also
1: right? Pinky Malinky, mm-hmm. which will start airing, I believe in the spring. They haven't totally firmed up that date yet. And occasionally little side projects for the development department as well.
0: Great, and previously you also worked at Six Point Harness Mm -hmm. Bento Box and a number of other studios.
1: Yep. I spent about eight and a half years at Fox Animation working on American Dad and then the Cleveland show. Mm -hmm. And then I bounced around for a while. As you said, Six Point, Bento. I worked on a dating show for MTV for a hot minute, which was weird. (laughs) And, you know, just did that until I landed back at Nick. I had done a, a singular project here for the comedy shorts a few years ago and Loud House was actually one of the shorts that year so when it got picked up to series and was headed into post I ended up back here at Nick and now I'm coming up on two years
0: that I've been here. Excellent. Which is crazy. That is really cool and we yeah. will dive deep into all of those especially yeah the reality dating show, because oh. I, too, worked in reality, and that's its own oh. special blend.
1: It uh, is crazy. a special beast, that's for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, Amy, I always like to mm-hmm. ask people about their origin stories. Mm-hmm. So, where are you from originally?
1: I am from Montgomery County, Maryland, right outside Washington, D.C. Like, you could pretty much spit on a monument from from where I grew up. Not quite, but it's not quite, I can say, Alaska for my house, but it's close. Mm-hmm. And born and raised there. My dad worked for the government. My mom was a teacher. So, you know, it was a perfect environment for them and for us. And I ended up going to college, uh, Emerson College in Boston, which is a performing arts communications based college. So, your majors are film, television, uh, radio. At least it was when I was there. I don't know if it's still a major. (laughs) Maybe podcasting. I don't know. Calm disorders, which was like speech pathology, speech therapy, all that stuff. So majors like that, performing arts, dance, theater, acting. And that was really, that is really the whole point of that school is to go into careers like this. So I did my time there and I came out here and interned out here and I've been out here for... More years than I care to discuss. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Me too. Because then people can do math, and that's not necessary. (laughs) So So you don't do that. Nah, it's fine.
0: Yeah, no, but in doing my research, I did see that we both have bachelor of science communication degrees.
1: It's a BS in TV, which is the best degree ever.
0: It's it's like that is very accurate.
1: (laughs) Yes, it really like the difference when I was there. The colleges changed and evolved a ton because. Obviously, these career paths have changed and evolved a ton, but it was like the difference between taking a language class or a science class, one got you a BA and one got you a BS. I was like, I'm not going to be exceptional at either. I want a BS because it's a BS in TV. (laughs) (laughs) So I took the science course instead of the language course, and now it's like the best joke. Whenever somebody asks me where I go to school, I have a BS in TV nice yeah
0: i like it then i am pre- I have a bs in communication studies so i'm like oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's like so arbitrary but mm-hmm. yeah it got me a degree it got me out of my parent's house so exactly like, hey. it's like as I, i've said before my dad's like i don't care what you do just don't live in our home when you're 40 and i said done i can Fair. fulfill.
1: yes that father bonus. i can fulfill that yes mm-hmm. for sure no one wants that <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So did you always want to do post-production, or were you just interested just in
1: television? No, I actually, it sounds weird, like in high school I was super into the theater department, mostly behind the scenes. I was a set carpenter, which people always kind of look at me weird. I'm like, no, I'm I'm like a legit carpenter. (laughs) I mean, for show. I built stuff that only had to last a few weeks at a time. But (laughs) set painter, designer lighting, sound, like all that stuff. I loved all that stuff. So I really initially got accepted into the school's theater department. And I think my second day of orientation for freshman enrollment, I was like, ha, just kidding. And I changed my major. (laughs) But they accepted me mostly based off my resume because I had worked so much in high school. Our theater department was nationally recognized, very fancy schmancy. And we did like six shows a year. And so we were pretty busy and you got a ton of experience in a bunch of different things. And I would have loved to have made a career out of the theater, but I knew at some point I wanted to pay bills without having to negotiate with people. So, you know, theater life is rough. And I have friends that have made careers in the theater and I've seen how hard it was for them. And So I felt pretty good about changing my major, and TV for me was kind of a way to fulfill the desire to do theater with more permanence and a little bit more stability. So I mostly went into it just wanting to work in that arena, not really knowing really that much about it. And I left school thinking I was gonna be stephanie spielberg and take over the industry and change everything and yeah yeah right so that never happened and um you know but then i started working and i started learning like what it really means not this theoretical stuff you're doing in school where everybody wants to help you all the time but like what it means to actually be a working person who has to pay their dues and learn and push and strive and um I didn't even really know that much about post-production for a long time. And then as I started to learn it, I always saw the value in it, but it was hard to understand. It's hard to understand until you do it. And then I sort of tripped and stumbled into it. And I mean, there are parts about it that I really like, and there are parts about it that just, you know, (sighs) (laughs) but I think that's true of any job, Mm -hmm. really. But I get to wear jeans and sneakers to work. So my life is not so bad. <laughs> yeah.
0: I do like our dress code here. It's yeah. like, come clothes. Yeah. The end. Basically,
1: you know, a shower would be good. Mm-hmm. We would prefer that. But, you know, do what you got to do. Just yeah. show up, get your stuff done.
0: They even have showers here, I found out.
1: Yeah. One. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, just there's one. one. Just okay. one.
1: Well, there's one for each gender or gender assigned bathroom. So whichever bathroom you would use, I suppose. I'm not gonna judge. Not you great. do you. <laughs> well
0: so how does how did you stumble into post-production? Were you, what were you doing beforehand?
1: I stumbled into animation first <laughs> and that was purely like the stuff I was working on I knew I didn't want to keep working on. I just started looking for jobs and I happened into an office coordinator position for an animated show. didn't know anything about animation at all. Other than it was entertaining. So I worked that show, and that was back when UPN was still a network. I remember
0: that. That was a million years ago. Platypus Man, I remember, and Voyager were like the two shows that. Oh, Voyager. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Platypus Man lasted for half a season.
1: Yeah, I don't know that one, but Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Well, you know, it successfully merged with the WB network and is now the quite delightful CW network. But that job like my job requirements were not crazy challenging so i took as much opportunity as i could to just ask people questions and literally like a little kid just go what's that what are you doing why what does it mean why that way why wouldn't you do it this way and i just harassed the crap out of the like 20 people that i worked with and learned as much as i could that job ended not entirely because of the network failed but not failed changed (laughs) please former UPN executives (laughs) continue to hire me but you know it was just the show didn't go and then months down the road some of the guys I worked with on that were starting American Dad that show had lost a coordinator they remembered me called me up said hey should we put your name in for this and I was like yeah sure thinking I would never get hired I got hired. I panicked. I did the job anyway. And so that was sort of how I just got into animation in the first place. That job was in the retakes department, which here at Nickelodeon, we don't have a specific department for that. But just so everybody kind of knows what it is, retakes is revisions for animation, basically. So when you get your animation back from whoever's It's usually overseas, but whoever's doing the initial animation, you get it back and you make notes, like things that work, things that don't. If you're going to rewrite a line to make a joke funnier, or if somebody's arm pops off for two frames or something, like you just go through and you find all that stuff. You work with, on those shows, you work with the artist, the director, the writers, all that stuff to make all those things happen. And then you kind of back and forth those things until they're right. So it kind of fell under the post umbrella a little bit. And so I worked that department, became the department supervisor over the course of the first almost five seasons of American Dad. And then Cleveland Show started up, and I saw it as an opportunity to grow and advance. And so I put my name in the hat for post on that one. And they graciously allowed me to do that job that I wasn't entirely sure how to do. But I did it in a safe space because I knew American Dad, Family Guy, and Cleveland Show, they share production space. So the people that had my job on those other shows were down the hall, and they already knew me. So it was really the best way I could have transitioned into a job I didn't know how to do because I had a lot of people I could go to and be like, I'm going to what now? <laughs> and uh, and they would answer. And and so that's sort of how I evolved into working post. So it's it was a little bit of a trip stumble, but I knew I wanted to keep learning and challenging myself, and post was a good way to do it.
0: Very good. Hmm. And I'm curious, I mean, might not apply but is there a difference with doing post for like a Mm primetime animated show versus like a children's animated show oh yeah
1: yeah they're structured differently i mean some things are universal some things about post are the same if you're doing a documentary if you're doing a sitcom if you're doing animation there are some universal truths there are certain steps in the process that everybody's gonna hit where they hit them and how they hit them change but everybody's going to you know finalize picture. Everybody's going to go to a composer or sound editor and have them do their work and there's certain things you have to do to prepare for that. And so like those are kind of universal truths no matter what your format is. But within that everybody does everything different. From show to show, from adult content to kids content. Some of it's money. <laughs> The primetime shows have more, and so they can spend more time on making fixes, and they can spend more money on literally having every musical note composed for every episode, having more Foley done, having, you know, all that stuff. So just the time and detail can change. When you don't have a ton of money, you kind of have to figure it out. Like, how do we get what we want without spending money? And there's also just a matter of, for music for the prime time, we would get needle drop. We would get published music and pay to use it. Can't really do that here because we don't have that kind of budget. So we're not negotiating those fees and doing all that stuff. We also talked about poop a lot more. (laughs) There was a lot more, um, blurring out of things that we weren't allowed to show. You know, stuff like that made it a little different as well. We don't do that much as kids kids programming, really. Not as many uh, fart jokes or inappropriate remarks on the program. In the office maybe. Depends on what everybody's comfortable with. <laughs> so, those are the main differences, I guess.
0: Okay. That is good. And now diving deep into it you kind of touched on this, but mm. what exactly is, is
1: post? Post, yeah.
0: That is the magic question because I've even asked people like, you yeah, know, nobody studio, knows. Like, How does you know? Because when I first got here, they're like, all right, this is the production pipeline, mm-hmm. and here's pre-production, and here's post-production, and then post. I'm like, oh, tell me about post, and they're like, well,
1: I'll stop. <laughs> like, we just <laughs> give it to Amy, and she just makes it happen. Yeah. That was yeah. essentially.
0: They're like, you should ask Amy. I'm yeah. Like, you know what? I will.
1: Yes. <laughs> Sort of the easy like cocktail party definition I always give is, as I said, everything from when the initial art is completed to when it airs. All those steps in between are considered post. So going through and making the correction, working with the editor to make sure that the show gets put together with the right audio and all that stuff. Coordinating with whoever needs to, like on our show, it's our executive producer. And some shows, it's their supervising director, whoever goes through the initial animation and finds those mistakes, calls those notes, those retakes. And that can be back and forth. You can do that a few times. It might take... It's like when you edited a school paper. It wasn't always like you wrote it once, edited once, and you were done, Mm -hmm. theoretically. I will take ownership of having done that a couple times. <laughs> but theoretically, you would do that, maybe sleep on it for a day, go back, edit again. Sleep on it for a day or give it to someone else, have them edit it. So there's different passes on it that you do until it's what you want it to be or as close as you're going to get. So you help track all that stuff, get those notes to where they need to be, make sure that, that they're being addressed and they're coming back on time and the back and forth of that. Somewhere in there, you also lock the picture to time. So at some point while you're calling notes, you literally edit it down so that it's the proper time and the time of the show won't change. Maybe you're still waiting on that color to be right or the character to enter the room at the right time or something. like That's fine, but the scenes, the show, are the proper time. You need that because... Whoever's doing your music and your sound effects need to start their work because they need an appropriate amount of time to generate that material, and they can't do it unless they know exactly when things are happening within the show. So we'll lock it to time. We'll then sit down with the audio guys and gals and go through all that. And again, for us, it's our executive producer, who does that, who says like, this is what I want here, this is what I want this to feel like, give me music like this, I want a sound effect that sounds like this. So we go through all that with them. I help coordinate that and track that when necessary. Those guys go and do their work while we're finishing up the picture. We come back together, check all that stuff, make sure it's all like, yes, this is what we want. Then we'll go in and do a mix where all the audio pieces come together. It then gets married to picture. So now you have, like, your final product of proper audio with the proper picture. And then there's a whole bunch of making copies of that and filling out paperwork and getting materials and getting all your delivery requirements for the network. And I have to do all that stuff, too. I Sorry, I get to do all that stuff. (laughs) It's an honor and a privilege. I get to do all that stuff as well. So all of those steps, in addition to you know, when you first start a season, you're generating the schedule for all those things and contacting your your vendors, your sound effects guy, your composer, whoever, and checking in with them and making sure that their contracts are set up so that they can start work. And so there's all those larger picture things that you do as well for the whole season as a whole, and then you dig into each episode. So... I hope that made sense. Did that, that, make, sense? that did make sense? That's a, <laughs> okay. that's a
0: great deal okay. of work. Yeah. How much time do you get from when something first arrives on your desk to when it has to go out the door to network?
1: Right. Again, that differs for each show and each network that you work for. Usually, that's determined before I even come into the picture because that's part of the budget that the line producer has to do is to figure out like how much. Time they can afford to give to post, kind of. On these shows, on the kids' programming end of things, it's six to seven weeks between getting that work print, that first version of the animation back, to handing it over to the network. But you're doing more than one at a time because they're sort of staggered on top of each other. This would be easier if people could see my hand gestures, but they're, like, (laughs) staggered on top. I'm, like, so Italian right now. It's hands everywhere. They're staggered on top of each other. So at any point, you could be working on three to six episodes at different stages in the game. Or for us, because our show is segmented, where we have two stories per half hour, and we're working on each story slightly individually, so they're, like, a week off from each other. Mm -hmm. So I could have three episodes but it's six segments it's six stories Mm
0: -hmm. so for those out there who want to have a show what can they do to make their post-production supervisor happy make sure that things are going as they should by the time it gets to you oh that is a good question wow
1: Never utter the phrase, we'll fix it in post, because that is so annoying, because you should fix it before it gets to me. (laughs) I mean, obviously, the whole point of, not the whole point, but part of the point of post is to, like, fix your mistakes or fix the things that aren't working. They're not necessarily mistakes, but just, you know, until all the pieces come together, sometimes you don't know. But a lot of the time, and this is certainly not the case on anything I'm working on right now. But a lot of the time people will just sort of like throw pieces together without thinking about what they're gonna look like once they're on top of each other, mm-hmm. metaphorically on top of each other. And then we get into posts and like, this is a mess. I'm like, well, that's not our fault. Like you should have looked at this stuff together before you sent it. So there's that. That's always really helpful when people think about what condition it's gonna be in when it gets to post and, like, sort of plan for that. Another thing is, and I, I've said this to so many, like, PAs and interns that I've worked with, is spend a little time in the department so that you understand what it's there for and you can appreciate how it's helping the show. A lot of the time, and this is true of every format I've worked on, reality, scripted, animation, everything... People don't know why post is there, and so they kind of dismiss it and sometimes even forget about it. I have other friends who are post managers and post soups and they'll, you know, shoot me an email and be like, yeah, my, my whole crew went to a party the other night and no one told us Aww. because they forget because it's so detached from what the majority of the crew is doing. And it literally, it's just get, it just gets handed off, and then nobody touches it again until it airs. And then they're like, "Oh, our show!" But there's a whole process and a group of people working on it. Damn it! Invite them to the party. Yeah.
0: So that, that's
1: really sad. It kind of is, yeah. but I also kind of understand it because you have fifty people working in production, and you have six working in post, and they are especially animation or something like production ships it off it's being handled overseas for a certain amount of time it comes back and then post is handling it so they're pretty removed from it by the time it even gets to us so i kind of understand it but that's why i would love for people to actually like ask these questions to understand what it is because without post your show never gets air. so it's really vital it's a really vital part of the process and people don't understand it. And it's you know, it's sort of like going to a doctor and a doctor gives you a diagnosis and you just go, Okay. And you never ask a question, like how do, what does this mean? How does this affect my life? What should I do about it? You wouldn't do that. So it's it's that same sort of like to get the full picture of what this means you have to understand at least a little bit about post.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if more people could do that, they'd be more appreciative of it, and that would make us feel better. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely, especially yeah. So I mean, you're right, there's no show because mm-hmm. you all have to assemble everything together, mm-hmm. so it would just – He'd make a thing and we'd never see it. Yeah,
1: again. and I'm telling you, this stuff with no music and no sound effects, real boring. Oh yeah. Real boring. <laughs> and with the mistakes in, yeah, it doesn't doesn't make anyone look smooth no. when someone's face pops off because that happens sometimes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean it's just you know a glitch in the render or whatever, and you're like, um, what happened to that character's mouth? <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, no, it's gone. We should fix that. You know,
0: I've I've seen that before where it's like um, eyes and everything are kind of detached, so Uh they're kind of floating in space. You go, and everyone just goes, ah,
1: yeah. And if you hit pause at the right moment, you're like,
0: what? (laughs) All their teeth are outside. It's a monster,
1: (laughs) yeah, exactly. And that's why we uh, go in and find that stuff and fix it. Mm -hmm.
0: So, I'm curious too, when you go and watch movies and TV shows now, are you? It's painful are you are you just picking out yeah. things where you're like oh that music cue or that cutter? Kind of, that's that's weird oh, i did it the <laughs> other night
1: we were watching
0: oh,
1: oh we were watching agents of shield mm-hmm. and there were two really bad edits in it and i i get like live action you have what you have and you just have to make it work sometimes and i get that but i was like oh oh no that was terrible they had to have had something better than that And, you know, hey, primetime TV people, I get it. But, you know, there's like a .001% of us that caught that, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And animation in particular, because I was trained to find every single thing that's wrong. And I've had to actually step back from that a little bit because sometimes it doesn't really matter because you're the only one that sees it, so it's fine. But I was... When I was learning how to do this stuff, I worked with people that were very, very diligent, and they taught me a lot, and, like, my brain sees everything now. And my poor husband <laughs> cannot watch things with me anymore, because he I just sit there and go, oh, mm, mm, really? Oh, man. Oh, no, I mean, I would have let that one go, too. And he's just like, will you stop? <laughs> so, I've gotten better about like containing it, but every now and again, when I see something egregious, I will make him stop it and go back and point it out to him so he'll see it too. And now he does it. He's it's like, like, You've ruined this for me. I'm like, it's I know. He's like, You ruined my one solace and entertainment. I know. I did. I, I broke him a little on that one. But, but now it's like a fun little game for us. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's it can be painful to watch things with me now.
0: I've, I've noticed that too with, with other friends. You just watch and see where they like. I see boom mics and stuff. Yeah, it's like the hey, shadows.
1: Yes, it's right there, mm-hmm. right in the corner. Totally, yeah, totally. It's uh, some friends of mine are like color correctionists, and they'll oh. they'll watch them and they'll just be like, oh, that's just the the wrong tone altogether. I'm like, <laughs> it is, and they're like, yeah, and here's why. Oh, now I see it too. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it! That's, I was fine a minute ago.
0: So now a fourth of all televisions, like the colors off. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Or I'll see things and I'll be like, "Oh, they color corrected that," because now I can see. You know, it's like there's no way they shot it in that color tone. So they corrected this whole section, and yeah, no, it's it's not pleasant. But I I don't talk about it unless people want me to. So. I have learned that the hard way, because it makes people really mad.
0: Oh, it's, it's like, but don't you want to also know this yeah. for you? Don't you want
1: to be outraged as well? Yeah, come no. on. It's
0: like, we, all of us should be on board. we
1: got enough to be outraged about these days. <laughs> I really don't need to ruin people's, like, viewing of animated I material. Like, i got
0: one more thing yeah. for you. You <laughs> think you like Bambi.
1: Ha. Huh? Ah. Ah. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So speaking of people mm-hmm. that you know, really helped you and were diligent in showing Mm -hmm. you the ropes. Were there any mentors you had in particular that you feel like, oh, this person, you know, or this, these people over here, they were seller.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I never say nice things to him, to his face though, (laughs) because that's just not a relationship, but no, I did. It's weird because I haven't had a lot of mentors in terms of how to do my job specifically, I've had to kind of learn that as I go. And there were times where I was like, if I could just have somebody who explained how this is supposed to work, but not so much. But um, I have had mentors in terms of people who taught me everything I was willing to absorb about animation in general. I've had people allow me to witness them being excellent. And just by being around that, you know, it wasn't so much that they were going out of their way to teach me, but it was just being around them being excellent at what they were doing. I got to learn from that. Before I get into the man I mentioned a second ago, I used to work a million years ago on this, it sounds really like hokey, but this crafting show. And the host of it had been working in the industry forever. She was just amazing at what she did and just really like top, top notch stuff. And it was for home and garden television. And she was the kind of person that we would go into the booth to record voiceover for taped segments. So, you know, that like voiceover narration of like, this is what's happening and this is what this person is doing. And we had the script for her and we had this segment kind of roughed out. So we knew this is how much time we have to fit what you're going to say in and it would be like okay you have 3 seconds and every single time first take nailed it wow she had some sort of weird timer in her head nailed it every single time no matter what 3 seconds 19 seconds 20 whatever it was nailed it every time and we would just go and do takes like okay let lighten it up or like be more serious or you know stress this word or whatever But in terms of timing, she nailed it every time. And in addition to that, she was a gracious host. She always made the guests on her show shine, and she made her audience feel loved. And it was just her. And of course, we got to see the other side of her, where, you know, martinis on Friday, and swearing like a sailor, and all this stuff. But like nobody knows that, and we got to see that. But in terms of her level of professionalism, and her ability to make the workplace around her better, I learned so much from that. And then when I got into animation, I worked with a man named Ron Hugart on American Dad, and he's the one I never say anything nice to his face, because I don't want him to get a big head. But he really taught me so much, always willing to answer any question I had, and like really break it down for me and make sure that I understood it. And I watched him do that with all the artists that he works with as well. He's a supervising director over there, and just really great. And even when I completely like royally effed up, like <laughs> there was yeah one thing that I did that I just oh to this day I wish I could go back and change it. And he was super mad at me, and with well within right because I had I had totally punted. Even within that, he taught me, and you know, he was mad, he was real mad, and he should have been, but we had the conversation that needed to be had. I tucked my tail because I knew I had done wrong, and then the next day, he brought me back in and talked to me again and was like, what happened? And how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? And what did you learn from it? And, you know, just fixed me. And it was really one of the best learning experiences I ever could have had, because I never made that mistake again. But, you know, he was just really great. And he taught me everything about how animation works. And because of that, I was able to go into post with an understanding of, what it took to get things to me. So I understood that part of the process. And then when I got a hold of it to do post things, I was like, I see what they did here. I understand why this went sideways, because I can see, I can see why the animators did what they did. I can see why they made the choices they made. So it was easier for me to then be like, okay, so let's do this instead and let's fix it this way. And so I learned a ton.
0: That is, that is wonderful, and that's, yeah. that's hard when you make an error, because oh, it's one thing if you make a mistake and you don't know, it's another one it's like you make something and you know and you're just like, ah, but that's really great that yeah. we we're able to sit down and talk about it yeah. and make it out.
1: Yeah, it was really great. It taught me a lot about kind of being a grown-up, too, you know, in those tough moments, and I mean, we all make mistakes. We're humans. It's part of the learning curve. You kind of have to make mistakes, And when you make the little ones like, oh, crap, I forgot to call that person, or like, oh, I never hit send on that email, or whatever, you just apologize and you move on. But every now and again, you drop the crystal vase on the marble floor and just really mess up. You have to learn how to recover from that. So that's an important sort of life lesson, too. Mm -hmm. But I also, it was within the context of work, so I learned how to not make that same mistake or get anywhere near it ever, ever again. Yeah. <laughs> Stove hot, don't touch, you know? He's, he's like, oh, I've seen this. Yes. I, know where that I see it coming, lies. and no. I'm going to run the other way. Smart. <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. Smart move. Yeah. And speaking of work, so how mm. did you get to Nickelodeon?
1: Yeah, that's... That I don't entirely know. So... <laughs> <laughs> What happened was when Cleveland ended, which, you know, those of us that worked on that show were so sad because that was one of the best crews I've ever worked on. And to this day, I appreciate those people. And when I run into them socially or career-wise, it's just big hugs for everybody. And there's a couple people here at Nick that I worked with on that show. But I was, you know, sort of kicked out of the nest. I had been there for a really long time. Most of the people I knew in animation were there. I didn't really have a network of animation people, but I had all this animation experience, and I knew I liked working in this environment. So I kind of cold-sent like crazy in any angle. Like, as people I had worked with got jobs in other places, I was like, hey, 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 how you doing? How's it going? Want to go to lunch? What's going on? Hey, tell me about what you're doing. And so I just abused the crap out of their connections, which is – the only way to get a job around here a lot of the time. And my resume ended up in Dina's office and she called me and I was like, oh, did so-and-so? She's like, no, I've never heard of that person. I was like, oh, oh crap. Oh, I've already ruined it. So we never quite figured out how my resume ended on her desk, but she called me in when they were looking for someone for the comedy shorts program which they do here at Nick, as part of their development department in 2013 I believe it was like 2013 into 2014 yep I'm gonna go with yes on that I'm not 100% on it (laughs) (laughs) but they didn't really have a post person that they could dedicate to the program so they brought me in For just, I think it was like three and a half months just to do just those projects and to really like focus on them. And um, like I said, Loud House was one of those shorts. I think it was 12, 11 or 12 shorts that they did that year. I worked on all of them. They were all super different and interesting and each one had different creators and they were animated differently and different schedules so I learned a ton and I was kind of doing them a little bit all at the same time like they overlapped sort of like our schedule does now but you're like kind of touching all of them at the same time a little bit so it was my first CG project my first you know project with only library music it was you know I learned a ton Um, but when they were done they were sort of done and I seem to have done really well here, but there was no opportunities for me here, which was cool because, you know, I was hired for this project. project was over. No big deal. And then I bounced around a little bit, worked on that MTV dating show, (laughs) which I'm still very grateful for. They paid me, but it was so weird (laughs) because I was so not 20 at the time. So like, it was so weird for me. And then, you know, I kept in touch with some people here and I would, you know, just check in every once in a while and so when Loud House was series, and I had told Chris, I'll work on this show in a minute because I really love the short. So when it was picked up to series and they were looking for somebody, I had just happened to check in with some folks here recently. And so fortunately, I was in their mind. And they brought me in and Chris and I talked and I talked to Karen and and they graciously brought me back. And I've been... Just trying not to screw it up ever since, and uh, it seems to be going well so far. I guess. I
0: would say it's going well. <laughs> I've seen all episodes that have been yeah. on the air up to this point, and yeah, they look and sound great. Good,
1: thank God. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and it's been really fun. It's been a really fun show to work on, and the way they do post here is certain. If you're post supervisor, you usually have more than one project, and then you have people to help you on each project because you can't be in all the meetings and all the edit sessions and all the stuff. So my secondary project has been a few different things since I've been here and Loud House has been kind of my constant and so that's interesting too because you, you're working on more than one thing at a time and and each show has its own personality and so you're kind of constantly like handling things one way with one show and another way with another show and but everybody's been really good and really supportive and if I ever feel like I'm truly drowning people are willing to help and you know even the other post soups and our head of post and the editors and because there's a lot of stuff that even though i've been doing this for a long time now i still technology changes so fast Mm -hmm. and i'm getting older so it feels faster to me than it does to someone who's just starting out and so these terms will get thrown at me and i'm like oh yeah totally that thing yeah and then i walk down the hall and go what is that thing that the thing and what this what what do help 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 and uh people have been really cool about me doing that <laughs> thank god <laughs> this is the only thing keeping me afloat so yeah so it's been a really good work experience for me here
0: that's fantastic yeah what programs do y'all use to get things done well
1: we our audio stuff is all done in pro tools And we edit on Avid, which is kind of an industry norm for the most part. Live Action uses it. Everybody uses Avid. And so that's what we're editing on. And, yeah, and the audio guys, I don't totally understand what they do. I just trust that they are going to get it done because I can't do that stuff. So I'm like, I don't know what you need to do to make this happen, but please can I have it by Thursday, I beg of you. And they do, and they're awesome. Yeah, and then our outside vendors do their their stuff. But everything is Pro Tools for audio and Avid for visual by the time it gets to us. Okay. Yeah, animatics is done in Premiere and stuff, but for post-roll Avid. Cool.
0: Yeah. yeah. I was curious just how all of that works. I know for a wh- I think for a while it was like Avid and Final Cut, but I guess that one's kind of... Gone by the wayside?
1: So yeah, I think Final Cut, Final Cut Final Cut is still used for certain things, certainly. Final Cut has become really easy for consumer level stuff. You can get Final Cut on your laptop and edit your own stuff if you're, you know, smart enough to figure out how to use it. Which again, if you're twenty, it just happens in like five minutes. But so Final Cut is still there. It's not as widely used on the broadcast level. Some projects do use it. It's just not the default. Let's put it that way. The okay. default tends to be Avid.
0: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Now, sidebar, that yeah. dating show. Oh, my God. You brought it, it up the, twice. I'm very was, interested in hearing what was, was the show. It was, oh, God,
1: what was it even called? I don't know. It was It was a really interesting job. It was the first job that I worked at where we had – multiple editors going at the same time we had I think six editors and and six different rooms going and an assistant editor and and I was the coordinator the post coordinator and a friend of mine a dear friend of mine uh was the post supervisor so she again generosity of spirit brought me on knowing that I didn't totally know how to do a show like this but that I was willing to learn and she just trusted that I would work like work hard and and It was uh, some take on the dating game, kind of. But so, like, the dating game back in the day was, like, you couldn't see the person that you were asking questions of. And you had, like, three people, and you asked them a bunch of questions, and then you had to decide who to go on a date with, right? So this was, like, the social media version of that. And you couldn't see these people, so, like, everybody's faces got blurred out. And the date-er would look at the date-ease like social media and then ask them questions about it and mm. then pick one. There was a lot of twerking. There's a lot of really questionable twerking. <laughs> <It's so cheap>. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's twerking that isn't questionable I guess Yeah. but it was just and everybody was you know 20 to 23, 24 and trying to be as attention-grabbing as possible. And and we had to like scrub through all this footage and like pick the good stuff to use for the show. And it was just like, what? No, not okay. Someone needs to call mothers. And <laughs> like, this is not appropriate to be on social media. And so that was interesting. And it, you know, I did learn a ton. If you come out of any situation not having learned something, that's on you, in my opinion. Even if it's terrible or horrible or nothing good comes of it or you get fired or whatever, like you gotta walk away with something you didn't have when you walked in. And that's very true for that situation. I learned a lot. My girlfriend taught me a ton about what she does because she's uh, more in the like reality programming and she does a lot of multi editor shows. And so I learned a ton, but it was just the content was just like, I don't get this at all. I don't understand what's happening. Who are these people? I am too old. You kids, put your clothes back on. I just, like, I aged, like, 20 years on, like, the second day. I was like, why are these people so naked? Put your clothes back on.
0: So... Was like, yeah. don't you know when you become yes. adults, like
1: you're gonna oh, regret so much of yeah, this You be like
0: oh all this like grandma grandpa now yes. seriously <laughs> yeah
1: I was totally like grandma grandpa in that situation was like
0: oh god no put on a sweater what's yes. wrong with you Yeah I, I understand I worked on a court reality show it's oh, kind of, you know it's former lovers and friends and family that are suing each other over rent or not having their cars. Darling. It's like, and you're all going on national television talking. Just, you, you couldn't sit down in the room and all just all kind the dirty laundry. Yep. Yeah. No,
1: that's, that's not how I was raised. That's yeah. all I know. Well, I
0: remember, I actually, the first week I called my parents and said, I just wanted to tell you How much I love you. And thank you for making wonderful choices because
1: For not raising me to be an idiot. Yeah. Like
0: these folks didn't have y'all and our other relatives and that's why they're on our show. Because they didn't have someone sit them down and go, hey.
1: Hey, you know, hey, hey, with this behavior, stop it. Yeah, yeah. There,
0: there's another way. Let me show you this other method that's there's, not this. There's value to being <laughs> smacked upside the head. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> they're
1: really like, maybe literally, maybe metaphorically, but there's a value to it. <laughs> I'm just super glad I did not grow up in an age of social media. Oh, like, yeah. I feel so bad for kids today. Well,
0: because everything's out there now,
1: everything's out there. And I know mm-hmm. how stupid I was, I was mm-hmm. super stupid. Because everyone's stupid. That's part of how you get less stupid later. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so glad that the extent of looking back on that is me and some friends and, you know, an adult beverage going, remember the time? And that's where it stops. Like, there's little to no evidence of it. So as we age, we will remember less and less of it and that's fantastic. So, yeah, I feel bad for my nephews and my niece now and you know, it's just it's so much extra pressure. It's so much extra pressure. Absolutely. Because yeah.
0: everything's out there and I feel like everyone now it's almost this requirement of you must be known. You must yeah. be famous. And it's like, no, you you don't really Yeah. I don't have to know and today. I feel too
1: That's I think that's reflected too in career path too like I feel like kids feel like they need to know who they want to be way earlier than we did and like I didn't know I wanted to work in animation I wasn't I don't work in animation as an artist it's not a way for me to be an artist and pay my rent you know which it is for a ton of people which is fantastic it just sort of happened and it's brought a lot into my life. And if I if somebody had asked me at like 15, 16, like you have to figure this out now and make a public pronouncement about it and have other people invest themselves in it, I I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's part of it is kids feel like they need to figure their crap out at a much earlier stage and you really don't because You can't control the tide that is going to catch you anyway. So you can kind of position yourself and work towards things. But if the wind shifts, the wind shifts. Like you got to kind of just roll with it. So Mm -hmm. I feel bad that kids feel that pressure too. God, I'm so old right now. I'm so old right now. we are
0: not. Oh. I think we're about the same age. So you're not at all. <laughs> Kids one, today. I do the same thing. Because I, I have a bunch of you know, younger cousins. I'm mm-hmm. I'm the cool cousin now because nice. I work at Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. So it's the funny, cool points but, do go up when yeah, you work here. But it's here. funny. They yeah. ask me questions like, can you do this or that? Or can you tell, you know, Chris, you know, some I'm like, no, you guys. It's not quite that's how it's it, not, not. I really don't how it works. Yeah. but it's cool that you think I have that yes, kind of power. power. Yeah, totally. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. Hey, Chris. So I was thinking the whole show. Yes. <laughs> no, that's not mm-mm, mm-mm. not how that goes. No. no. But that's cute. Thanks, yeah. for the, thanks for the note.
0: Yeah, you know, I can send them drawings and, you know, they get to color them in and they're excited. Yeah, so I'm like, totally. hey, there yeah, we go. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so for yeah. the younger generation yeah. out there who are thinking, hey, this sounds mm-hmm. really interesting. I would want to get involved with this. Yeah. What do you recommend for them? Because I don't even know. Is post offered in schools? No. Like post not no, not editing. in
1: terms of what I do. Yeah. In terms of picture editing and sound editing and all that stuff, you can totally get, like, a proper education in those things. What I do, no. There's no, like, course for it. God, God if there had been, <laughs> things would have been a lot easier. I would have been, like, way better at it at the beginning. It's really, it's project management. Which is kind of a universal thing in some ways. Like, I talk to friends who work way outside of the entertainment industry, like proper grown up jobs with like grown up clothes every day and like <laughs> meetings where bagels are brought in and like, you know, stuff like that. And we'll have the same day all the time because they're running into the same roadblocks just in a different context. So it's a lot of project management which is tracking of things, keeping appointments, making other people keep their appointments, which is just organizational skills and, and multitasking skills. And so anytime you you do that, you get better at it. The ability to ask questions, listen to the answer, and ask a follow-up question so that you keep learning the more you understand what you're asking people to do the easier it is to ask them to do it so doing things like getting internships and even if you don't get a post internship if you have access to a post person and you're interested in it sit them down ask questions eavesdrop sit in on things learn stuff understanding the tech is really helpful it's not my strongest point (laughs) i'm constantly sort of struggling with that so You can do it without being like a tech genius, but the more you understand it, the easier it is. So asking a bunch of questions about that as well. And really just spending a lot of time learning what not to do is possibly one of the most valuable things. I think anybody can do in life in general, but certainly in your career. You work with a bad boss, you learn how to not be that boss. You work with people who are terrible time managers, you learn how to manage time, that sort of thing. So definitely my my BS in TV was helpful because it gave me a foundation of understanding how things work together. Mm-hmm. My internship back in the day, again, was just access to things. And internships are sort of open doors to bug people and learn about them and ask them a million annoying questions, so take advantage of it. And then just as you start your career, just do everything you can. Learn everything about everything. Again, even if it's not the department that you're interested in, all the departments are interconnected. So the more you understand about the big picture, the easier it will be to focus on your section of it. Mm -hmm. So, And post is really, like I said earlier, it can feel kind of thankless sometimes because people don't understand what you're doing or why. But you really are the last line of defense to make sure that everything's put together, right? So it's kind of rewarding to see a show on the air and be like, yeah, if I hadn't done the thing that I did, that would be totally, like, effed. And it's not. And so, yeah, and we fixed it. Yay, go team. And it definitely teaches you a lot, and you have access to really great people. And if you're kind of good at tracking yourself it's a good avenue to be in as well because a lot of the time nobody's they don't understand what you're doing so they're not like hey try it this way and hey try it that way so you have to like figure out here's what's going to work for me and still get everybody what they need and so for people who are suited to that not better or worse than anything else it's just everybody has their strengths it's a great avenue to go in for that as well that, is that, sense.
0: that makes total yeah. sense and that's, that's good to know because like mm-hmm. we kind of talked about earlier I think even before the interview post is just something that just not a lot of people know mm-hmm. about and mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to talk with you specifically because yeah. I thought Amy is awesome and she <laughs> works in post so this is great so people will finally <laughs> know what this is and know that this is a career path because that's Mm -hmm. the the other thing a lot of people think I love animation but I can't draw I
1: guess I can't have a
0: job in
1: it yes you can yeah you totally can yeah the on the production end post-production end Mm -hmm. the coordinators the managers the administrators they're the ones that sort of keep the train going and they're so important and obviously the writing and the art you know you kind of need those two I mean they're kind of you know part of the process but if somebody wasn't getting things from A to B to C to D, it wouldn't mean much. So there's a way to have a creative career and not be an artist. And these jobs are one of the ways to do that.
0: That is fantastic.
1: sounded wicked profound right there. That was pretty good. I'm pretty proud of that one. Yeah, I'm proud of you too. Yeah, that that was great. That
0: was great. So my last question for you is you do some wonderful – volunteer work. Mm. So I wanted to give you
1: opportunity to talk about that. Okay. So I volunteer at our local animal shelter here in Burbank, California, Burbank Animal Shelter. It's a great shelter. It's one of the smallest in the Los Angeles area just because our population, our service area is smaller, which is fortunate because the larger ones tend to have a unpleasant numbers game that they have to play with their space. But I love our shelter. I love our staff. I love our volunteers. And, you know, we're a publicly funded shelter, and we just do everything we can to get our animals placed into fantastic homes. And as a volunteer there, I work mostly with the dogs because I kind of understand them more. Like, I had a dog growing up. I've never had cats in my house, so they're still an enigma to me. I've learned a ton, and I enjoy them way more now than... Before, I was like, why Why are cats biting me when they're happy? I don't understand. So I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about bunnies. I've learned a lot about all the like weird, random animals that come through. And we spend a lot of time and effort trying to make sure that they get placed into the perfect home once, and we never see them again. Like The goal is to never, never see them again, because they're happy where they are. And we do fundraisers throughout the year, and... I'm a runner, too, so we do a 5K fundraiser on Thanksgiving every year. And so I've, like, merged the things that I know how to do into one activity. And it's really great. I've been doing it for about seven, seven and a half years I've been there now. And people always ask, like, the most common question when you volunteer with animals is at a shelter is how do you do it? because a publicly funded shelter is occasionally going to put animals down. It's just an inevitability. And there's that, and there's also, like, you get attached to animals, and then they get adopted, and they go away. It's like, how do you do it? Well, I just focus on the fact that while they're there, I'm making their life better. And how great is that, you know? Anything you can do to, like, put good stuff back into the world, take it take that opportunity because it it helps everything helps so i focus on doing that with the animals in our area and and getting them out and you know pit bulls aren't evil and chihuahuas aren't gonna you know eat your toes and (laughs) you know you learn all these things and and then you kind of preach it to the world whether they want to hear it or not So, but yeah, it's a great shelter. And if anybody is in the, you know, Los Angeles area and they're looking for a furry or scaly friend to add to their family, come check us out. We have, we have a lot. And even if you don't find an animal with us, we can maybe help answer some of your questions and help you figure out what exactly you're looking for. So we're happy to do that too.
0: Excellent. I'll put that in the show notes so people can check that out. Awesome. And Amy, it has been a delight talking with you today and hearing your story and your advice to people and how you navigated the world of television and post. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. And that concludes my interview with Amy Reynolds. Special thanks to Amy for being a wonderful guest. And make sure to check out Volunteers of the Burbank Animal Shelter if you're interested in volunteering or adopting a wonderful animal companion. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more people to find out about the show. And you can also support the show by visiting www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal button on the right hand side and making a donation. And also by supporting our wonderful sponsors, Amazon.com, Audible.com, Loot Crate, and Blueberry Podcast Hosting. Every time you click on those banner ads and make a purchase, a little bit of money comes back to the show. And that also helps me to pay for technical costs. So thank you to everyone who has donated via PayPal. Thank you to everyone who has supported our sponsors. And thank you to everyone who has left such wonderful Facebook comments and emails and Twitter comments and such. I read all of them and I appreciate every single one of you out there. You guys are what makes the show awesome. So thank you so much for all of your support. And if you want to check out what's going on in the wonderful world of animation, especially all of those conventions and events that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, you can visit the website as well as the Facebook page at facebook.com. Slash the Animated Journey on Tumblr. The site is www.theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com, and on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at animjourney. And to see what I've been up to lately, you can visit my website at www.sketchysoul.com. On Facebook, it's facebook.com/sketchysoul. On Tumblr, it's www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at SketchySoul. So thank you to everyone for listening and tune in next week as Nickelodeon summer continues. And as always, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.